it's silly. We're currently building GraphQL rate limiting. And one of the things that really resonated that you said in one of our interviews was that one of the things you had to figure out is that security is kind of invisible, I think you said, right? Like security doesn't hurt until it hurts really badly and then it's kind of too late. How do you sell something that's invisible? How do you sell something where essentially when it happens, it's already too late? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. There's no real kind of a single answer. So generally, there are three ways in which you can provide value to your customers, to at least to business customers. You can help them sell more so you can kind of increase the top line. You can help them spend less so you can help them be more efficient and more effective. Productivity falls into that. Or you can help them reduce risk. Those are really the only three ways in which you can provide value. Security clearly falls under the sort of the risk reduction piece. And in that sense, you know, there is, you know, there's a whole industries around that risk reduction and it's real value. It's not bogus. It is real value. But unfortunately, especially when you're talking about ma like major risk, backup kind of restoration, all sorts of like insurance and reinsurance. Unfortunately, you know, there's no great barometers and it's very subjective. And so you end up sort of relying on case studies. You're trying to kind of quantify and you put a calculator, you put, you know, you, you create a bogus ROI calculator, which it's not about the numbers, it's about the variables. You know, people are, have this legitimately, you know, I'm like, especially if you're technical, you have this aversion to these kind of ROI calculators. Like, do I really know how much does a breach cost? Do I really know what the percentage reduction that using Sneak would, you know, have to reducing the, uh, I mean, these are not facts, they're opinions. And yet, like it or not, the buyer needs to justify spending X to purchase the tool. And they need to show that X is less than the Y, <laughs> you know, that is the number or the, the cost or the sort of the implication of not purchasing this product. And so whether you like it or not, that exercise has to happen. And you can either hope that the customer figures it out correctly or you can help them. And so in, in the context of security and anything that is about risk reduction, you put together the simple equation. So, well, what is this risk? Well, the risk is a risk of a breach. You know, what is the, the cost? Like you put the number, like you put, like here's a bunch of benchmarks around those numbers, but you know, you pick a number. How much do you think Snake reduces the cost, the, the chance of a, of, a, of a breach? And so you put that together. So that's one approach. The second thing that we do at Snake is really focus on developer productivity. So like we help in two ways. We help you reduce risk, but we also help you reduce costs by basically allowing the same developers to produce secure software with less effort, you know, with less security people, maybe sometimes, you know, identifying things earlier in the process or less rework. And so over there, you, again, you kind of build up those calculators. So I think just defining the variables that contribute to the value you provide to the customer is something you should be able to always do. Above and beyond the sort of the finicking on the exact number that you should put there, in which case, you, you know, if when you're selling, you're sort of guiding the customer towards, you know, certain numbers. But typically, you know, if, if your product is really good, then the, then it's not a fair fight, right? Like it's a 10x, 100x return to it. And at that point, people first needs to want to use your product. They first need to want to buy your product. Now you're just helping them with the justification and the cost process. And I like to tell customers that if we align on the value that you're getting from this product, then we should be able to align on the price. And if we're not aligning on the price, if we can do it, it's because we're not aligned on the value. So let's talk about what is the value that we are providing you. Maybe it's a bit purist. It doesn't always work. I think it's true. It's a, it's a genuine belief that I have. It's not a sales technique. It's a, it's a genuine. If you sell it for less than the value that, that you provide, you know, or for something disproportionate to it, 
then you know you haven't helped the business the customer eventually has a a product from a company that doesn't sort of survive right or sort of doesn't work and that's not good either by the way there's a very very similar analogy to the uh total addressable market when you do fundraising it's the same thing you know i'm sure every technical founder rolls their eyes it's like well what's the tam you know what's the sort of the total addressable market of course because it's a it's an unanswerable question markets change you know sort of making market but like it or not that investor needs to put some math in place somewhere that includes this all of it so either you hope that they got it right somehow you know that they uh, creative enough and all that or you handhold them and say well these are the variables we think there are this many developers in the world you know we think all of them need to build secure software and you know at this point we have data to sort of show how much they sort of spend you know on the different product and all that but like you know we think they'll spend this much and so this is the time and we think both of those numbers are growing the value of security and the uh and the number of developers and so again you can argue whether the number of developers is <laughs> 20 30 40 million you know if it's growing at that percent or that percent but we've established the variables and we've established that number is big and especially in the early stage now you kind of go on from there and even now in the late stage you know we sort of show those and in multiples of sort of sorry well we have six products now or five products you know Here's how, how much people spend, you know, on a given product, you know, per developer. Here's our penetration rate with different customers. Here's the, and you do the different paths. I think that's a beautiful way to think about it in both the sales and the sort of funding perspective. It's like, what are the objections and what are the justifications that they're going to have to make to their people? And how can I help them guide them along on that journey, right? Essentially, you're just helping them buy something that they want to buy anyway, right? They have some reason why they want to buy your product, ideally. Otherwise, why would they be talking to you? You're just helping them along the way. I have some pretty firm opinions around messaging. And I think people, in my opinion, mistake messaging as marketing. And I think messaging is definition. And a lot of these things are definition. I think when you define your product's messaging, assuming you're not trying to kind of bullshit the customer, you know, assuming you're not trying to sort of, you know, sell a bag, whatever it is, you know, a cat in the bag, then, then really like messaging defines the actual value proposition, the actual problem that you are solving, the actual differentiation that you have. And in turn, because you understand that better, now that should come back and help you guide the product that you're building. Like when you're building something, says, so well, does that help these problems? Does that help these differentiators? Are these things that we're working on truly supportive? And I find so many, so many, so many founders, they lead with here, we have a platform that does XYZ. And, you know, I guess my answer to that is just like, nobody cares about your product. Like it, it, nobody cares about your product. What they care about is the problem that you are solving for them. And you need to take the time and it's this exercise and everybody's like, yeah, I'm not actually going to do the exercise. No, no, do the exercise of sitting down and saying, you know, what are the pains and the problems that like, why do people come? There's this exercise called power statement. I might've shared with you, Max, in, uh, in the different, which says it starts from, it's just as a sales technique, but I like it as a product definition. It says, well, developers go to sneak because they're afraid of dependencies and they've had cases where those broke because they hated when the security team sort of send them something to, to rework later on because, you know, they take pride in their work and they want to build secure software. It's like, okay, security people go to turn to sneak because their developers pull open source left, right, and center because they can't keep up with it. So these are the pains. And then you write a little blurb, like a little, like whatever, not a blurb, like two sentences about what your platform does. And then you write your differentiations, you know, like why, what is differentiation? And your, your kind of blurb should be a mix. It's called a power statement. And your blurb should be a combination of like these needs and then a short snippet about what your platform does and then your differentiation. And if there isn't cohesion between the differentiations 
and the problems that you're solving, you have a product problem. It's not a messaging problem. It's a product. You're not building the right product or you're mm. not understanding the right problems. And uh, anyways, a bit of a, I went on a bit of a rant here, you know, but it's, it, to me, it's also important for pricing. It's also important for, for this sort of ROI calculations. It boils down to understanding the value that you're providing to a customer the value, like why you exist and how you help. And that understanding helps you do it better. And so these things are, are connected. Sorry for the preaching. Uh... <laughs> no, this was, this was fascinating. That, that, that makes so much sense to me. Essentially, the messaging is like the formulation of the product that you have, but that includes the pains that customers have, the differentiation that you have. And if those don't work, then yes, you can change the messaging, but they're still not going to work because your product is overall. Right, like you've, you've, you've made a mistake on the product side of things and really needs to be changed there. You can't tack on the messaging later and make it work if the product doesn't work, which makes total sense to me. So, so I think this simplification, you know, this sort of messaging, these distillings, you know, they help you do something better. And maybe I'll kind of add one more comment. I think we're kind of going a bit long here, but I perceive myself as a person that can hold a lot of complexity in my head. You know, I'm a techie, I'm sort of, and I think there's probably a lot of people sort of definitely on the tech side, you know, that sort of feel the same. And I had this conversation with um, one of the key people in our labs team who is brilliant, brilliant guy. And we're talking about messaging and he had some comment about something along the lines of dumbing it down, you know, like in, in context of explaining it. And I guess my, my so I, I sort of shared this view. We had this great conversation. What came out of it is, say you can hold complexity in your head. Fine. You can hold it maybe more than others, but that's still limited. You know, it's still, there's only so much that you can hold any of us. You know, there is no infinite capacity to do it. When you sit down and you understand a complicated topic and you spend the time, and oftentimes a, a presentation to someone else is a, is a forcing function to do so, to reduce it to the primary, to distill it to the primary bits. They're not comprehensive. They're not fully accurate, but they are directionally accurate. Now you have those bits in your head as well. And what you can do is you can zoom out from them and you can build on top of them. So you can alleviate the complexity for a bit. And sure, you can double click past those when necessary and maybe others cannot. But at the time, you don't do it. And that is the way that you can think big. Like if you can't do that, if you can't, that's how society is built. We need these paradigms. And so going through these exercises, messaging, internal definitions, internal presentation is about taking the time to truly understand the first principles, sort of the core elements of why you are doing this, why is something working, why is something important. And if you do that well, you have firm foundations. You can take any time you want, you know, like it's a startup, you need to move fast, but it's a worthwhile investment and you need to catch yourself if you find yourself saying you're doing it for others. You know, you're doing it to better understand. When you better understand from there, it's just marketing. From there, it's like, fine. Phrase it nicely, find the right case study, find the right, fine. But the, sort of the core messaging, that's the definition. And it helps you sort of think big about the next product, about the next hire, the job description. You know, it's like job descriptions are a great example of that. It's like, well, we need just great people. It's like, take the time <laughs> to sit down and think, what does that mean to you?